0: This is Beth Capici and welcome to the never perfect podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is. And in spite of their imperfections, you don't have to be perfect to be inspiring.
1: Welcome back, Beth. Welcome home for a minute. <laughs> She's got me rifled into this podcast again. So I don't know what what's supposed to happen here, but um, I'll hand it over to you, darling.
0: All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening. We have another very impromptu discussion that's very unplanned but should be very informative nonetheless. Um, We debated about which topic we wanted to talk about and I am kind of chomping on the bit, chomping at the bit to discuss so many issues that I'm excited about and passionate about and definitely will be recording podcasts soon on topics such as dating and how to date in a healthy way and communication and substance use is a big one that I'm really into right now and want to get a lot of stuff out there about that. But we have decided or I have decided to talk about anxiety today with my colorful husband, Remo, as my audience. He did a great job in the introductory podcast.
1: Hmm. <laughs> as we speak about anxiety.
0: Are you feeling anxious right now? I'll be burnt. Oh, a wee bit.
1: I think I need to do more sugar in my tea, and some more honey.
0: <laughs> well, I told him, I said you don't need a lot of prompting because you're natural at this. So I'm
1: holding the microphone just now, so I'm really sorry if you hear any noises like any background. rubbing and you know, creaking. I don't know exactly what will happen, but I'm holding this bloody thing, so I was told that I was very quiet last time, so I'm going to try and be very loud this time so <laughs> everybody hears me.
0: Well, good. Well, so we will start talking about anxiety. And one of the reasons I've asked Remo and different people to come into my podcast is because when I started my earliest recordings, I got bored myself just sitting there talking into a microphone. So, I'm not posting any of those because they're so dry and I don't think I'm a good actress or actor, whatever is the appropriate way to say that. It's an actor. <laughs> he says it's an actor quietly on purpose. That's not a technological problem. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so here we go on the anxiety. So anxiety is one of my favorite issues to deal with and yeah. to work with in my counseling office. My private practice, I a lot of you don't know that much about me at this point, and I am in private practice and I work with all ages, basically over like age 11 or 12 and up. I don't work with younger children. And I would consider anxiety to be one of my specialties. And it is the number one most common mental health disorder. The statistics usually say 30% of the population struggles with anxiety. I've seen some research say one in three people. So, you know, that's very, very prevalent. And it's especially, it is the highest for women. And for males, it is the number two most common mental health condition after substance use. So I would argue that it's really also number one for men, but that substance use is part of what people use to self-medicate and treat their own anxiety so I think it's at the core of a lot of substance use issues so we will get back to that when we discuss substance use issues later so I kind of want to recreate what I would do in my office if I had an adult or a teenager or possibly a parent with their teenager in for the first or second or third visit talking about anxiety I kind of have a favorite Bit of what we call psychoeducation, which is really just psychological information about it. So, today is going to be an overview, and really in general, a lot of these episodes are going to be just the beginning of a conversation. It's not going to be a comprehensive conversation, but just sort of an overview to get things rolling. And Remo is going to listen and maybe ask questions and share his input his two cents worth. He doesn't like mm. some of my little cheesy sayings. I don't know why I like two cents worth, but. It's okay. <laughs> you can tolerate it.
1: <clears throat> I can for short periods of time, huh? <laughs> and this time is gonna be pretty short. <laughs>
0: it's one thing I'm learning as I'm doing this podcast is I kind of like sayings more than I ever thought I did. Hmm. Do you see me as someone who likes to use little cliches? or sayings um
1: maybe we bet uh-huh. yeah when you get when you get daft i know you use a lot of this
0: when i get shabings. daft
1: when you get silly yeah. and yeah and-
0: we gotta explain daft is not commonly used over here but it's one of those charming words that's more common hmm. in scotland right i have to translate for him even though english is the first language in scotland as is a, common on a misconception okay gaelic
1: yeah, Gaelic is our language, but we basically taught you how to speak English.
0: <laughs> but you don't speak Gaelic. Because
1: we've had people tell me, you speak great English. I know, I know. And I was like, wow.
0: Yeah, that's happened a few times. That's kind of where I thought I'd better clarify that.
1: So my mum taught me well. She taught you English very well. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, so I've got a wee question. So when you say it's your favorite, that sounds like a bit, you know, like, you know, people have this condition and it's... Um, It's not very fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's your favorite.
0: Yeah, that would sound weird to say I really enjoy working with anxiety disorders. But I do find it a very rewarding issue to work with. Okay, so
1: you you have a lot of success?
0: I feel like I do, yes. And actually, that's an interesting bit of exposure that I had really early on when I was in the beginning of my doctoral program, Mm. I, my very first year of working at the university counseling center, the, I was supervised by the director of the counseling center and he specialized in phobias. And so I got to do this sort of rarely used, at least in my experience, rarely used skill called systematic desensitization which is used for people with phobias. It's one of the biggest Mm. types of exposure therapy where if someone has a fear of bridges or a fear of flying or a fear of snakes or
1: spiders,
0: in this case, it was a needle phobia. Mm. And the young woman, I think she was probably mid twenties or early twenties. She was avoiding some medical procedures because of her needle phobia. Mm -hmm. So I got to, have very specialized training under this experienced psychologist and how to do systematic desensitization with this girl. And Mm -hmm. it was really cool. And about halfway through sort of the steps, and I can explain it at some point, but I don't think it's worth going into today. But um, she kind of got over it about halfway through the treatment. So that kind of gave me some early specialty in anxiety issues. Right so i'll go over some of the common types of psychological disorders i mean anxiety disorders here in a few minutes but one of the reasons i do enjoy this is because i feel like anxious people often are very conscientious very responsible they put a lot of pressure on themselves um i sometimes call anxiety the big heart syndrome And I made up this spiel that I've been dying to publish or share for years. I tell clients about it all the time. But I say that most anxious people, they care too much. They try too hard. They think too much and they have trouble letting things go. Hmm. And a lot of people say, oh yeah, that's definitely me. And it sounds
1: like a lot of people though, right? I mean, uh, yeah. maybe some people are not so thoughtful. But anyway, yeah,
0: it's kind of like being very, very responsible and kind of worrying too much and Hmm. putting too much pressure on themselves, which is debilitating.
1: Like the oldest child syndrome kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of oldest children probably put even more pressure than average for Hmm. sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's some interesting research, too, on how, you know, mild anxiety to moderate anxiety can help your performance. Like if you're motivated To do well in something, you're a little bit nervous, and that gives you almost like an adrenaline or an energy. Mm. But if you have too much anxiety, it's debilitating. Right. And then if you don't care, you almost don't have that much energy or motivation. So it's almost like having a little bit of anxiety is better than none, right, because it's motivating and stimulating.
1: I guess like you know, just talking about the, you know the kids you know before they start like before she starts her soccer game she's like I'm so nervous and, mm-hmm. and I'm like well that's good you know yeah as long as it's not too much
0: yeah and anxiety and excitement are kind of linked and come together and you know you've probably heard me say to her sometimes are you excited or are you nervous or both so but anyway um, so, so one of the common types of spiels, I guess, I give people about anxiety just so they understand it is, and some of this is based on some really good literature from different books. One of my favorites is called the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook, and the author's name is Bourne. I believe it's Edmund Bourne, B-O-U-R-N-E, and there's several editions of this book, um, but he has some great chapters in there on self-talk and the way we think and what we tell ourselves, Hmm. which is a really big feature of cognitive behavioral therapy, which we will also be talking about off and on because it's a very empirically proven treatment, um, for anxiety and depression. If you can change the way you think and, and some of your behaviors, it can really lower your anxiety and lower your depression. Sure. So this book is really good for that. Um, but he has some stuff in some of his chapters about understanding anxiety and how a lot of anxious people are very creative. They have vivid imaginations and they are very sensitive. And those are a lot of strengths. You know, I like to remind people that a lot of diagnoses have a a really positive side to them. You know, like the anxious people are sensitive and hardworking and responsible oftentimes, but if they go too far, then it's debilitating and they don't enjoy their lives. And it has an impact on their immune system. Sure. So, and then he talks about how anxious people often underestimate their ability to cope. Yeah. So they kind of underestimate themselves, which means that they then avoid things that make them nervous, which makes their world smaller instead of bigger. And so a big piece of therapy is trying to get people to face things, which makes the world feel bigger, makes them feel stronger. And, you know, it's very, very natural to want to avoid things you're scared of. But when they look sometimes at like, why am I scared of this? And what exactly am I afraid will happen? And could I handle that? Sometimes they can talk themselves into going, you know what? I am going to face this.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I think a lot of that is, is believing in yourself. You know, I mean, um, mm-hmm. um, procrastination. People don't do things. Don't you know? Mm-hmm. Tend to not move forward because they don't believe in themselves. Really, they they mm-hmm. don't think they can do it. You know, so they just don't try it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like what we call a foregone conclusion. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have these a list of cognitive or distortions. And it's a list of anything from a fortune teller error, where you sort of assume, you know, things are going to go badly. And so you don't try Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or, you know, minimization like minimizing positives or magnifying small errors, Mm -hmm. magnifying the worst. We call it catastrophizing when people make things a catastrophe. I've had so many college students and high school students over the years say, oh, I failed a quiz and now I'm afraid I'm going to fail out of this class and maybe even not graduate and I'm going to be homeless. And, (laughs) you know, like one little quiz, right? Which everyone is going to occasionally fail something.
1: Yes. That's horrible.
0: Yeah. And see, that's where the vivid imagination can hurt you or it can help you. Yeah. So I tell a lot of anxious clients like, hey, you've got this great imagination, but that makes it easier to worry because you can imagine all these scenarios that could happen. You know, if you don't have much of an imagination, it's harder to imagine all these other possibilities. Sometimes, yeah,
1: I think it was Einstein said, um, maybe wrong. I don't know. I'm not really knowledgeable and all that kind of stuff. But I think Einstein said, uh, imagination is more important than knowledge.
0: Hmm. That's neat. See, and it is, it's such a gift, but it has to be harnessed. Yeah. So I tell clients, I'm like, you can use your imagination to help you, or you can use your imagination to hurt you.
1: All right. Well, um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we were just talking before you started them. I'm like, so what do you want me to do? Because mm-hmm. um, we don't plan these things. We just kind of, you know, she gives me about an hour notice and then we fly into it. <laughs> um, we were just talking about you know anxiety and you know i've had my fair share of anxiety in the past and uh self-induced more or less but um i think they're all self-induced and we were talking about the brain and you were talking about that book and that relates to a lot of what we were speaking about i guess you know if you can tell your brain that muscle between your ears you know um Uh, it doesn't know the reality it doesn't know between a lie and the truth you know so i mean you could be telling it a bunch of lies Mm -hmm. you know or you could be telling it a bunch of truths Mm -hmm. and if you believe it then the chances are it'll happen for Mm -hmm. you and that goes through with meditation and right all that kind of stuff right
0: well and i mean i don't know what you meant with saying it's self-induced but we could get into a little Tangent and an argument about that. I mean, I don't think generally anxiety is self induced, but I do think that we have patterns that can perpetuate it. And that's another really good article from that same book. That's there are four traits that perpetuate anxiety. One is perfectionism. One is an excessive need for approval. One is an excessive need for control. And one is a tendency to ignore physical and psychological stress but you know and and we can get into this it's on my list i do have a yeah. little list we're not totally on. yeah yeah no 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 i think it it people can definitely make it worse and and choose not to get better or choose not to pursue channels that could help them even i guess they what i was saying yeah i mean i guess
1: what i'm saying is you know it's really about how you think you know i mean yeah. if we can think differently about things um if you can believe the things are possible Mm -hmm. you know um they're outside of your realm of Mm -hmm. normal belief then the chances are you could you can
0: oh for sure a hundred percent i mean you know changing your thinking is one of the key pieces and it's not easy no um but it's i compare it sometimes to sports or dance or anything where it's it's really difficult if i said hey i need you to change the way you breathe and sometimes people really do need to change the way they breathe they don't mm-hmm. realize shallow breathing can really lead to panic attacks mm-hmm. they have found that people have elevated levels of carbon dioxide for like 8 hours before they have a panic attack so
1: yeah we I mean, I've, I've had of sleep apnea and stuff you know my mom has sent me some stuff on breathing and mm-hmm. and how that works you know there's your nose is there for a reason and uh, your mouth is there for another reason Breathe through your nose. Yeah. I mean, I think your nose is meant for breathing and your mouth is meant for eating. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can breathe through your nose, I mean, you have a whole, you know. Yeah. A slew of stuff that happens when you breathe through your nose.
0: Yeah. And that's a behavior you can change that sends your body signals. I mean, Mm -hmm. the mind-body connection is fascinating. I mean, and so when you're breathing calmly or thinking about calm things, your body responds you can sort of, I say, trick your body into thinking you're in a really relaxing place when you could be in court or something. Right. And you can use your breathing and your thinking, pretend you're at the beach, you do a <laughs> meditation or something, right. and your body will respond and your brain like you're in a peaceful place. So again, you can sort of trick your body into relaxing when you wouldn't be expected to be relaxed. Right. But a lot of anxious people unknowingly put themselves into a state of like fight or flight or emergency or distress or trauma when they're in a situation that shouldn't be that bad. Right. By imagining, you know, I call, I kind of define worry as visualizing negative outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, it's like, you're making a movie in your head. You know, you've just created a really scary movie in your head that didn't happen or probably won't happen. Right. And see with, Anxious people being sensitive, they don't like to be caught unaware, you know, they, they like to be prepared, which is understandable. And that kind of relates to that excessive need for control. They don't want to be taken off guard. So they try to anticipate what could go wrong, but they don't realize that when they're trying to imagine what could go wrong, they're playing all these scary movies in their mind. You know, they're Mm -hmm. really stressing their bodies out. So I call it sometimes I refer to it as giving your body a nap giving your brain a nap like calm yourself down you're in like overdrive all yeah. the time so people that worry all day long oh my goodness are imagining anxious things all day long and it's I also say it's like a dream I mean when you're dreaming your body responds as if that dream is real
1: oh yeah your subconscious is completely awake you know right so yeah it's it, it's going all the time, right? And um, you know, and during the day when you're, you know, I mean, the, the amount of thoughts we have, and if you're having a lot of those negative thoughts, you know, subconsciously, mm-hmm. you're not even really controlling what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, what is there like eighty thousand thoughts a day? Just mm. you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of weight. If you're oh, not putting yeah. any positive thoughts in there, you know what I mean? And, and try and control the muscle between your ears mm-hmm. to say, Hey, look, you know, what? wrap all this crap. And I mean, I'm not one to think that way. I don't want to think like that.
0: Yeah. And we get into these habits. I mean, that's why we call them automatic thoughts. They're the tapes we play in our heads. They're oh, the okay,
1: be a rumbling stomach. Sorry.
0: <laughs> the um, scenes that we create in our minds, so um one of my favorite techniques i call i made this one up it's called just changing the channel and it's sort of like be aware of what channel you've kind of got your brain on and if you're going what could go wrong tomorrow what if this happens what if i make a fool of myself what if everybody hates my you know presentation you know we have just imagined we've created these movies or these dreams when we're awake that stress our body out right so we're having all this stress and it's self-induced that part is Mm self-induced although it's it's unconscious and it's automatic we don't even realize we're doing it
1: but we 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 can control it though right i mean
0: we can stop it if we become aware of it
1: right well that's the thing is being aware of how you're thinking Mm
0: -hmm. and what
1: what you're thinking about right so and you know, myself, I've been I'm trying to get into some meditation and this is difficult um, mm-hmm. to quiet yourself down and do all that stuff. And and um, I like Joe Dispenza and and he he, he kind of puts it right for me, you know, when he says that, you know, you've been doing something like that for so long mm-hmm. and you, you don't have any control over how you're thinking. It's just an, an automatic overdrive. It just happens. Yeah. and it becomes a personality trait, Mm -hmm. right? So you then, you then are acting like this and you you wonder why it's because of the way you're thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you just changed just slowly, you know, um, day by day, you don't change how you think Mm -hmm. and, you know, sit in the courtroom, like, man, I'm going to go up here and I'm going to, I'm going to slaughter this thing, you know, and I'm going to walk out here. A winner you know or whatever you know I mean just thinking
0: that's exactly what sports psychologists do to help enhance the performance of their athletes right. They have a basketball player imagine shooting a perfect you know three-pointer or a quarterback perfect it. touchdown yes and visualizing negative outcomes that would be the very last thing a sports psychologist would do to help right an athlete play better sure so um but yeah it's it's amazing yeah you can sort of just rewire your brain to think differently you can rewire your body to breathe differently it's hard but i compare it again to like i said earlier athletics and things if someone says to change your grip on the ball or the tennis racket or to change your stride in running, you know, that stuff is so hard, but you can do it, like with Mm -hmm. repetition and awareness.
1: Awareness, right. practice. Being aware and um, being conscious about it. Yes. And controlling the 80,000 thoughts of rubbish that come through your head, you know right. I mean? And, and just the doom and gloom and, you know I mean? Cause there's a lot going on in people's yeah. lives, you know I mean? Yeah. Today it's busy, you know, we're, we're all going a hundred mile an hour. Oh, and yeah. technology's overtaking the planet mm-hmm. and our kids are attached to it. And it's a worry. And, you know, so there's yeah. a lot more what
0: is. Well, and being conscious of what you're thinking, going back to the changing the channel technique is to say, Oh, I'm on a, a fear channel or the imagining the worst, the fortune teller error channel, whatever you want to call it. And then you could say, I want to go to a meditation channel, you know, or self affirmation or, you know, do like a progressive muscle relaxation or any kind of mindfulness meditation breathing. And if you could hook yourself up to, you know, like an EKG or different electrodes that monitor your heart Mm -hmm. and your blood pressure, and your respirations and your whatever else even your brain activity you would see results and that's yep. kind of what neurofeedback and biofeedback techniques are it's yeah, kind well, they of did like
1: that. They, they, they have a, mm-hmm. um, I guess they've got satellites that rotate around the earth and they they mm-hmm. take um they take readings of vibrations uh-huh. and those vibrations over the last you know 30 years or whatever you know, they've obviously put new satellites in there and they're taking these readings and they do fluctuate, right? So you have these, it's just a, a wave. It comes up and down, up and down, and it's just like a perfect wave. And um, they were trying to find um, if there was any, what 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 the frequency of the earth is and, and where mm-hmm. it's coming from, mm-hmm. right? And do we um, emit a frequency? Mm. And um, they found there was one day that there was a huge spike and they were like, oh my goodness, I mean, it was off the charts and it was was so unusual Uh that they were like, well, what what happened that day? And it was the day the towers, the, the, Uh, the, the planes flew into the towers and everyone around the world at the same time was feeling something. It was emitting a feeling and they feeling from the heart. Wow. And it picked up on that frequency.
0: I remember you so, talking about that. That's I amazing. thought it was interesting. Yeah. And well we can sort of make ourselves tune into a frequency of our own, of like if you're all nervous and worked up and just oh yeah. uh, telling yourself all the bad things that can happen. Right. It just affects everything. Thing. It affects your breathing and your thoughts. And so for people to kind of become more aware of what tell yourself something different like it's not the end of the world like that probably won't happen but if it did I could handle it and I'd be okay right and sometimes messing up does kind of give you a strange freedom of like hey I was always afraid. yeah yeah like I've been living in fear of tripping and falling in front of people for 10 years and I did it and it was actually funny and it didn't bother me or I was embarrassed, but I got past it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we really do underestimate ourselves. And, you know, if you constantly tell yourself and worry about something for 10 years that is unlikely to happen, but even if it does, it's not a big deal. That is so much what worry is, you know? Right. So yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, I think a lot of parents do that to their kids too unknowingly, you know, unknowingly, you know, oh. it. it's just like, there's just way too much yep. pressure to put on them. Yep. You know, so they go to school, and there's this te- all these tests are kicking a bit, and like we have a daughter who doesn't do well on tests, but she's she's very clever, but she doesn't like to be put on the spot, and um, she gets
0: anxious too.
1: She gets anxious. I. Anyway,
0: yeah, um, and we're gonna have a whole you know lot of conversations about intelligence because I am kind of obsessed with looking at intelligence from different angles. And I'm really want people who underestimate their intelligence to stop doing that and to realize that they are intelligent and they have gifts in other ways. So Mm -hmm. that's a huge soapbox that I could get off on. But, um, but yeah, you just kind of alluded to something related to the causes of anxiety chapter from, from this book by born. Um, he has a whole list of hereditary and, factors and causes you know genetics and then um, also physiological reasons and stress over time but there's some family stuff that really causes anxiety and a few of the examples he mentions one you just kind of unknowingly referred to i feel like but he said that parents that communicate an overly cautious view of the world tend to kind of Put that on their kids and their kids feel very cautious about the world or uncertain um or if parents political yeah or if parents suppress self-assertiveness um you know things like that there's several family issues that can really cause more anxiety sure um, but yeah we we mm. sort of do kind of give a lot of self-talk to our kids so um you know they I mean that's gonna happen you know it. i mean yeah. just being
1: around you know um and, and trying to be aware how you're and yes. your kids and stuff i mean i'm the the world's worst um <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty rough on my kids
0: well yeah I no mean, no you're,
1: rough in, in, in and in a bad way I mean, I, yeah. I just they'll they'll if they ever encounter someone who's harsh they'll be like yeah man, I can take it that's 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 not even harsh
0: yeah yeah well and we've already kind of mentioned this in our our one previous joint podcast is just family dynamics and family culture, and your family is just very upfront and honest and direct, and they don't really tiptoe around feelings. It's a cultural
1: thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, being from Glasgow, you said it's even more, a little bit more hard than some parts of Scotland, but um, my family probably tiptoed around feelings too much to an unhealthy degree, and we mm-hmm. probably weren't assertive enough or direct enough, and that's not healthy either. And you know again we all have our strengths and weaknesses but um and that leads to anxiety as well yeah it does
1: you know, i mean it's like if you're not gonna like stand up and confront it yeah and we're gonna just you know shy away from it i mean yeah then um that's something you're gonna live with because it's gonna be with you you didn't get rid of it
0: oh yeah internalizing things does not help your anxiety levels at all and getting them out in a, in a really harsh or well, abusive way. I'm not saying you, I'm not saying specifically you, but yeah, exactly. You don't have to be harsh and you don't have to avoid it. You just get it out in a, a middle kind of ground way of being you know, yeah. assertive. And I don't agree with that. Yeah. Just being clear. <laughs> but I, I like the phrase, speak the truth in love. I mean, speak the truth, yeah. but in a loving way, yeah. just be direct and clear. Um, But yeah, being assertive is a huge piece of, you know, lowering anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of sensitive people avoid conflict. Yeah. So it's like conflict stresses them out, but avoiding conflict stresses them out as well. But so one question, um, we're trying not to keep this too long, because we could easily go on for two hours, but we're
1: half an hour now.
0: Are we really? Okay. So one question that you might be wondering about is how debilitating is your anxiety or how, how bad does it have to be to be considered a diagnosable mental health condition? Because of course we all have worry, we all have some anxiety, but how do you know when it needs to be treated, so to speak? And I think that that can be tricky, um, to figure out exactly, but you know, you can always go to a psychologist or a medical doctor or your psychiatrist and discuss that with them. You can Google it. But I think the general rule of thumb is how much distress does it seem to be causing for you? You know, is it, is it temporary? Is it linked to something, you know, the cause or has it been going on for a long time? How much is it interfering with your life? Whether that be, um, your work, your home life, your relationships, just your basic <clears throat> functioning, really. Mm-hmm. If it's interfering with friendships or interfering with um, any kind of relationship or performance at school or work, then it's probably a condition that needs to be dealt with. And so, do you and, need to confront it. Yeah, and how time-consuming it is. I right. mean there are people that like we've talked about OCD a little bit and people with OCD obsessive compulsive disorder. Some people have a few traits, you know, where they might count things or check things and they know they're checking too many times to Mm -hmm. make sure they're curling irons off or something, but it's not taking hours a day or disrupting their concentration yet. (laughs) You're saying it could get worse. It gets worse if you're not going to address it. Yeah. I mean that, that is a good point. Like, the earlier you can catch things i think really the better i mean if you oh, feel like you have an issue then not letting it go like two more years like why not yeah. just kind of get some tools or some understanding before letting it go on it's for like, two like more drug years.
1: abuse you know you know you're abusing drugs you know you know you're doing this and then the longer you let it go the more serious the issue is that's
0: true that is true
1: anyway sorry
0: No, no. I'm eager to talk about that subject with you and, you know, other people as well. Um, So I guess one more kind of overview type of thing of the types of anxiety disorders in our diagnostic manual. Um, It's called the DSM. Um, Some of the big ones include, uh uh-oh, sorry, the dog barked. Um, Right. Generalized anxiety disorder is kind of just the general kind of pattern of worrying too much about all sorts of things. It's not just one specific area. Like I have known people that just cannot help themselves from, they're always worried about something. And when one issue gets resolved, there's another one that pops up. Like I'm worried about money. I'm worried about health. I'm worried about safety. I'm worried about friends. I'm worried about, you know, my job, performance. everything I've got to do everything right. Yeah. Um, maybe perfection
1: snowballs it, right? yeah
0: um, then you know social anxiety is a big one I used to lead social anxiety mm. groups in college settings university settings um, just people that you know just worry so much about they're very self-conscious they worry about what they're gonna say they get very nervous in social situations meeting new people and um, I love to see you know those people try to work on their anxiety without using substances, um, to cope with that. Cause I have a lot of compassion and understanding for why they would resort to substances like, Hmm, the quickest way for me to feel comfortable is to drink or to smoke weed, or I can have a conversation if I smoke weed, but if I don't, I, I can't. And I do understand that. Um, but I would rather them rely on their own strength and not some kind of outside substance to help them conquer their anxiety
1: yeah um i mean i showed you that one thing i know you want to get through this but i think it's kind of important we'll just Uh kind of throw it in there it was um um that hypnotist
0: Uh uh-huh oh um, yeah
1: you know this guy who's yeah what darren brown yeah darren brown and um he hypnotized it was a dating um episode dating was speed dating and the guy was he was absolutely he was hopeless you know he was um
0: he just been through a breakup. And yeah, he was, probably he was just depressed in a bad.
1: He was really not low
0: self esteem. Yeah,
1: he, he was, and he just wasn't able to kind of string any kind of conversation together, right? I mean, and I think he'd well, been like that for a while. Well,
0: actually, I Remo had me watch this, and I loved it. I've actually given it to several clients to watch. It's like a twelve minute hypnotist kind of mentalist.
1: I mean, type. he 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 literally did that, and like. So quick, just a
0: few hours,
1: I think he did less than that. I mean, maybe he spent a couple hours with him, but he just basically rewired his brain.
0: Well, but the interesting thing, I kind of remember it a little bit differently than you do. I thought the guy was doing a decent job of his conversation, but it was his nonverbals. It was his (laughs) self-confidence.
1: You need to watch it again.
0: I probably do. But in my mind, what stood out was that he was looking at people in the eye. He had confidence. He, you know, was really just had an energy that was self confident, and so in the the first speed dating trial, he was talking to girls, and they were all saying, "Well, my top two were these guys," but he was never one. I mean, that there they was were times they were in. sitting
1: there, and he wasn't saying anything. He just couldn't, you know, talk and okay. just, you know. And then next after he had his his treatment with Darren Brown, and um, he kind of poked him in the head whatever he did right um, he was like couldn't he shut him up <laughs> you know and he was interesting and he was just talking he was asking questions you know and he was just you know um
0: we're gonna have to pause this so we can argue about it and we'll, yeah, be we'll back. argue
1: about it i'm <laughs>
0: just kidding <laughs> i'm kidding but no you're you have a much better memory than i do i don't
1: have a very good memory oh, gosh. We can argue better about than that. i
0: do <laughs> anyway. but i do i really i was so impressed by his self-confidence changing in such a short time
1: I just, I just thought it was interesting to bring that up because, um, you know, it really just shows you that, um, you know, it's proven you can hypnotize yourself and basically, you know, walking and and meditating and, and believing, you know, telling yourself, you know, positive things
0: Uh
1: is, is going to have a positive outcome. Definitely.
0: Yeah. For sure. I mean, he
1: just, he, he done it. It was, it was like, wow, that was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. It was amazing. I've sent it to two, two or three clients in the last like two weeks. Yeah. Um, but just a a little bit more of the overview, panic attacks, some people call them anxiety attacks. It's really just two different words for the same thing. Um, at least that's the way I view it. But, um, you know, that's really just when your, your nervous system goes into overdrive Because you're very anxious and you kind of hyperventilate and you know sometimes feel like you're you're dying or losing control or going crazy and you know I won't go into all the symptoms of that most of you know um, but sometimes when you have panic attacks some people start avoiding going places where they have panic attacks Mm -hmm. and that's what we call agoraphobia and it's to slow that word down agoraphobia. Um, is where you kind of avoid places because of your anxiety. And um, you definitely don't wanna start doing that because again, even though it's understandable to wanna to avoid those places, it's not healthy long-term and it's not gonna help you long-term. It, short-term, it relieves the anxiety, but long-term, it's it makes you feel weaker and it makes your world narrower and it doesn't help you build those coping skills yeah. like exposure does. Sure. So, um, and then OCD used to be categorized under anxiety disorders, but in the latest version of the diagnostic manual, they decided to classify it separately kind of under an OCD spectrum. But I still conceptualize OCD kind of like a cousin to generalized anxiety disorder, which we call GAD for short. Um, you know, there are different symptoms. Wow, but- there's a lot, there's um, a lot of You love all those initials. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, phobias. um, You know, there there are a variety of anxiety issues, but those are some of the big ones. And the research does show that a combination of therapy and medication is the best oftentimes. But some people don't need to... Take medication sometimes, talking through things, changing your behaviors. Yeah. I mean, I love it when people can avoid taking medicine if they don't need it. I would much rather them change their habits, change their thinking and and avoid it. But sometimes when it gets too severe or there's definitely a real shortage of like serotonin or norepinephrine or one of those neurotransmitters, they really need it. Just like someone that has allergies, needs allergy medication. Um, or an inhaler Uh, but we do try to avoid that if we can yeah Um, and and that's a good you know how
1: I feel about that
0: yeah I mean I know you'd always rather holistic cures but I think that this is gonna underlie a lot of conversations about mental health is to really look at your general wellness and to sort of do a checklist on prevention And we all need to remember that our bodies are not going to function well if we're not treating them well and we're not fueling them. Well, that's true. So I have a checklist I give out a lot. I don't even know where this came from, but it's called the stress muscles handout or checklist or something. And I give these out constantly, but it kind of addresses some of these issues I'm discussing now, such as, you know, are you exercising like the doctors say you should like, you know, five times a week or no. whatever. Remo going to answer this as I go. Are you drinking enough water? No. We know that's true. Not true. Um, are <laughs> you, do you have at least two people you confide in? Uh, yes. Do you laugh as often as possible?
1: All the time. <laughs> Inside.
0: Do you sleep enough? No. You don't, especially with no. your sleep apnea.
1: No, don't no sleep anywhere near enough.
0: Um, And sleep, they call it sleep hygiene, but sleep habits makes more sense. That's really important to look at the rules on sleep. Um, Do you limit your caffeine? No. You're pretty good about that.
1: Okay, maybe. I like my tea. I don't drink coffee, so. Okay.
0: Do you limit your alcohol?
1: I do. Uh, I don't drink anywhere near as much as I used to. Yeah. When I abused it.
0: So limit your sugar. (laughs) Do you do that?
1: I don't do any sugar now.
0: Well, you eat sweets. You just don't, I do eat well. I just, tea. I don't have, I, I
1: don't put a spoon in sugar to do anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We all have a sweet tooth in this house, but so, but the, you know, when you look at all those things, like, do you have hobbies? Do you know how to calm your anxiety? Do you know how to meditate or have a spiritual practice? um like i said before do you do you have at least one really good meal a day i recently had a college student call me kind of in crisis and i hadn't seen her in a while and she was like i am really just kind of melting down and she said i'm gonna go home she lived a few hours away she went home for the weekend to be with her family and
1: you had some as food soon as
0: she had a couple of good meals she felt normal again and she's a very healthy person But what happened with her is she started to sort of like share cooking and and shopping with her roommate and she kind of lost track of what she was eating and she really just wasn't eating enough. It wasn't even intentional. Hmm. She just kind of wasn't being very careful and deliberate about her eating. And she felt so out of whack. I mean, and it's amazing how sometimes people don't know, um, and I love this acronym, people talk about HALT, H-A-L-T. And it's kind of low way you would take care of a baby that's crying. Are they hungry? Why are they crying? Are they angry? Are they lonely? Are they tired? (laughs) You know, Mm. and it sort of can be applied to people, too. Like, what's going on with me? Like, am I drinking enough water? Am I eating enough? Am I getting out enough? Am I exercising?
1: Well, I mean, that's that's good. I mean, you know, society um especially now, I mean, I don't know what the percentage is now, but it's pretty high, That mm-hmm. the fast food. I mean, people just eat fast food. Oh, yeah. And the quality of the food is crap, you there's know? No I mean, nutrition. it's just it's not, you can't yeah. even, so you need to subsidize the nutrition, you know, and, and-
0: That's right. It's kind of like empty food that has like really? no value.
1: Yeah, there's no value.
0: It's true. Um, another big thing that I will be talking about a lot, because I this is a holistic thing, if you are low on vitamin D3, which is what you know boosts our mood and it also helps with our immune system, and most people are, they say 70% of people are low in that, you need to be taking vitamin D3, especially I say between October and May, because that's when the sun's not out and mm. we get vitamin D from the sun. I mean, I say the sun's not out as much, I should say. Um, vitamin B12 for energy. I had a client that was already on an antidepressant And he was on vitamin D3, but he kept forgetting that he had bought some B12 and he finally started taking it. And his friends started going, what's going on with you? You've kind of made a transformation. And turns out he was low on vitamin B12. And people that are vegetarians um, tend to be low on B12 especially, so they need to remember. Um, Because I think you get a lot of B12, like eggs and chicken and, you know,
1: certain Things. Cooking a an iron skillet, man, you know, when you're cooking your veggies and all that, you yeah. know. You can get your iron there.
0: Uh-huh. Well, and psychiatrists over the years, I've watched what they recommend as far as supplements, and they say omega-threes. Those are yeah. really helpful in the production of those neurotransmitters. <clears throat> and then D for mood, B for energy, whatever version of B. It doesn't have to be B12. It can be B in general. And then lately I've heard magnesium is really linked to our mental health. So those four supplements are very important along with some of those habits mm-hmm. for prevention. Do
1: you want me to tell you what I would say?
0: Yeah. What would you say?
1: I would say um, for people who have all this cloudiness and not able to think properly and, you know, in general rundown is two things. No. I mean, obviously a lot of vitamin C, but it has to be really good quality vitamin, vitamin C. C. He
0: says vitamin weird. He says vitamin.
1: What the in a minute.
0: They might not know what you it's said. Vitamin.
1: And uh, vitamin C, um, at least, what, 5,000 milligrams of good quality. Because the stuff you take now, I mean, you only get maybe 20% of it.
0: Yeah. If you can't absorb it, so, you're going to just right. pee it out.
1: So what would that be? Um, what is that stuff we have got? I forget it's called. Um, anyway and um lion's mane good yeah. quality lion's mane a mushroom. mushrooms i would take all the mushrooms that you could possibly take mm-hmm. the mushrooms are good for everything mm-hmm. turkey tail lion's mane and lastly would be my favorite is the ginseng root
0: ginseng root you love that stuff
1: oh my gosh man that's just amazing
0: gave you a lot of energy it was expensive, it brought me though. back from the dead wow I, the, it
1: was, I, was only do, I was only doing the two. It was the lion's mane and the ginseng. The ginseng, and um, although it was a Korean um, old growth ginseng, Korean. It's from Korea, right? Okay. Um, I'm sure you can get really good quality here in the states.
0: Hmm.
1: Do the same, but um. Tasted pretty good. Wow, too. it was um. Just was able to think clearly you know, mm-hmm. cause I was not sleeping well and, and i um, really kind of help my sleep. And
0: that's amazing anyway. Well, hopefully this is a good overview. I'm sure that there are going to be many things I wish I had said. Um, you know, I have a lot more tools that I would like to share and stories and case examples, but this is a good intro and hopefully might help some people realize like you know, first of all, it's not uncommon at all to have anxiety. And when you start talking aloud about your struggles, is oftentimes when you find out you're surrounded by people who really feel the same way and say, I think that way too. And you're not alone. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it's just being, you know, anxiety's, I think everyone's got it to a certain level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, it's just how you manage it, you know, and how you think. And, and to what um,
0: degree. Yeah. Right. I mean, and what's the cause?
1: start start looking at how you're thinking man and what you're thinking of it and when you go Oh, that's pretty that's a horrible thought let me replace that with something good you know what? well
0: and it can be situational if it you're is. in a really toxic marriage or toxic school situation or bullies or toxic bosses yeah i mean sometimes anxiety that's not self-induced at all it's just situational and you got to figure out how do i get out of this because i'm you know my heart's racing and i dread going to work that's where you have to listen to yourself because your feelings are an internal alarm system and they're trying to let you know like sure, this isn't a, healthy. There's
1: a lion there and um I'm gonna need to start running here. My lion else I'm, I'm gonna yeah. get eaten.
0: Yeah, there's a and, danger. Uh, so you
1: you just kick in
0: here. Yeah.
1: Fight or flight. And, That's uh, true.
0: Well, thank you for helping me discuss this important topic today.
1: Uh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> you're gonna take me out for lunch.
0: Yeah, I owe you something.
1: Oh, you don't owe me (laughs) anything.
0: All right, well, we'll see you next time.